It's so good to be with you this morning. Grant. I know. This is going to be good. We were like radio silence this whole... I mean, I don't know how busy you were this week, but I was super busy. Yeah. Well, the whole family was sick. So but then... That and I just... Every second. Forgive me, but I assumed... I actually assumed that we weren't going to actually... Oh, well, morning. I didn't communicate. Yeah. Like, I last night I wrote out a bunch of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Because I was like, shoot, I didn't even... Like, yeah. We didn't make any plans. But when I got your text this morning that we are recording... Yeah. I'm like... That's all it really takes, dude. That's <laughs> the magic. This. That's Let's the magic it sauce. Together. It is the magic sauce. It's just doing it. Yeah. <laughs> and and you like up the game. We I are did at Red Hills Market. Yeah, it's wonderful. One of one of the best places I think in the Newburgh Dundee area. It has great ambiance and lots of space. Yeah, which is unusual. So let's get this started. Okay, I, cool. Well, it. welcome everyone to another episode of an educated life where we talk about life outside the classroom and all that entails. And that's scary to me as your host, Grant Burns, with Minsu Choi. What's up, Grant? Good to see you. Good to see you, too. I'm glad that we've had a lot of time to talk. And pro- I feel like I, I'm actually much better for doing this right now because yeah. we already processed a lot. For sure. Beforehand. For sure. We're, we're in week 10 now? Yeah, we are. How, we, we are in week 10. How's, and your, how's cool. your staff? My staff. Oh, I love my staff so much. We just had... Um, so on Monday, we had two life story, two people told their life stories, oh, nice. and they were beautiful. Like mm-hmm. just, and the way, so not only the way they told it and the vulnerability that they expressed, but the way that at least I felt my staff responded, whether in the questions that they had and in the encouraging words that they gave. I mean, it was just beautiful. I was like, this is why I want to do this. The sharing of connection, history, that we're all in this together, no matter where you come from, what you've done and been. <laughs> who your family is, all yeah. that sort of stuff. Oh, it was mm. just gorgeous. So I'm, I'm riding, a, I would say that's, that was a highlight most definitely. That's good. I mean, yeah. my stories are just so so good, and you get, you get yeah. two this week. Yeah, two, yeah, awesome. and one uh, person, this is the first time they ever told their life story in a group, um, which is, and they had not never, up until coming to college, they'd never, people, there was like no one who knew their whole life except for their significant other and one of their parents. So... I mean, that it's is very so fresh. powerful. Yeah, it's so fresh. For Actually, that. we should do an episode on that, like on life stories yes, and I how important so. that is. Because mm-hmm. I think that's so true for a lot of people, right? Oh, it is. Yeah. Like they, they haven't even told it once. Right. In their whole life. Right. Yet. As any, in any sort of entirety, like obviously episodes of their life or little pieces. But yeah, it's so cool. So I, I, I always cool. feel like that's an, another layer of sacredness to it when you're like the first no, one to receive sure. that, right? Yeah. As a group. Um, and then as the facilitator for that group as the supervisor for that group i feel an extra satisfaction you know i mean i'm sure you feel that but be able to create you're not creating the whole thing but the amount of ownership you have over creating a good culture in a small group and a team is so satisfying Mm -hmm. it's just a wonderful thing to be able to get to do so when people receive life stories well i feel like this is what i've been building up for you know what i'm saying yeah yeah. i feel that i feel like when the semester gets to double digits in terms of weeks (laughs) yeah that's when you start seeing the cracks (laughs) start seeing the cracks the cracks in our our team just like i mean and they're Mm -hmm. they're very resilient very gritty but well man they're just they've been grinding for a very long time yeah how is your team doing is it are they (laughs) Because I've talked to some of them, and they're feeling some cracks. <laughs> yeah, I think I so. I mean, like, I, I think it's normal, oh, normal wear and tear. 100%. We're almost in November. People and didn't believe me. When I said November is next week, they're like, shut up. I'm like, okay, Halloween is next week. It's the 31st. The next day is. I mean, we've been traveling at hyperspeed, right? But yes. like, And sometimes this is like the love-hate thing with like college <laughs> life, which yes. is it is so fast-paced. Yes. 
And it's a little bit cyclical. Like, it's almost like routine-based, right, from week to week. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine, like, I, I remember, like, going crazy a little bit. I'm like, man, I've been doing this for how long yes. now? And it's only been, like, two and a half, like, feels like <laughs> ages. It does. But it's so fast-paced. And, like, like you know, the the courses, the classes, they don't stop. No. They're they relentless. Don't. For me, what always killed me is, so, yes, definitely the to-do list of, like, okay, cool. <laughs> if I had done, if I was, <laughs> this is full disclosure on my studying technique, which is, yeah, at the beginning of the semester, I don't feel any pressure because I'm like, cool, I have 16 weeks to do this. Then week 10 shows up and I'm like, hmm, the 10 weeks of not working I right. didn't do is now compressed into six. And so, ah, and that, that's the same relationally. Be like, oh, I thought I was going to hang out with so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so. So back in September, I said, yeah, we're going to do this and that. And then now I'm like, I didn't do any of that. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. So I'm, midterm time was always major crunch time for me. But we're going to get to talk more about our 20-year-old selves because... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're doing what everybody is doing, and I'm going to call that out. We're going to talk about the Enneagram. Let's just do this. We're doing this, and are we going to add something new to the conversation? I'm super excited. I think we are because we're going to share our stories a bit. Yeah. But um, let's just put that disclaimer out there. We're not like super trained Enneagram teachers, um, but we're practitioners of spiritual development, personal development, all Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff in the work that we do, and we've found it helpful, Mm -hmm. a wonderful tool, Mm -hmm. I would say, not just helpful, but really cool. And um, we're, I don't think... I'm not going to bother trying to do too much of an introduction to what the Enneagram is. Um, if you need that, there are literally dozens of podcasts, books, videos, whatever you want um, to get a quick overview, mm-hmm. which a quick overview is actually kind of useless. You should do a, like a more in-depth one of what it is. Yeah. But um, we'll, put, we'll put some links into the description. Yeah, exactly. We'll yeah. have to. And there's so much out there and so many wonderful things to mm-hmm. learn about it. But so if you're a major like input nerd... Enneagram is a great thing to yeah. lose yourself in. Yeah. So here's our first question. We're talking about these students, the way they're grinding, the cracks, the things that are falling off. I feel like they're, they're becoming who they are by pieces falling off, right? <laughs> a little bit. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about ourselves as 20-year-olds. Yeah. If we're thinking back to that time, mm-hmm. um, the question I have written down here is like, what do we really wish we knew mm-hmm. about? Like we're looking, we have a lot of perspective now. Mm-hmm. I mean, for you, you have 13 years. I have 14 years of perspective on mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Let's do it. What do we think some deficiencies, some things we wanted to like? Yeah. I'm super excited to just kind of dive into both of our stories. Mm. I'm really excited to hear what you have to say. First of all, just just so we know, what what Enneagram type are you? Yes, I identify as a type nine. And I identify as a type one. Yeah, we're buddies. We're next to each other. And we both went to college. We did. and you know, even before we started recording, we uh, while we we're driving up here, we both kind of shared this feeling of like, man, there's a lot of things we would tell our 20-year-old self yes. who's trying to get through college, trying to just survive through college, um, about ourselves, right? That would been that would have been like tremendously significant mm-hmm. and beneficial. Mm-hmm. Um, so where where do we want to start? Uh, why don't we do? Uh, let's see. So. Looking through the lens of the Enneagram, mm-hmm. what, let's just pick out one of the truths that maybe we've found in the Enneagram sure. that we'd be like, that would have really helped as a 20-year-old, Yeah. right? So something that we would have maybe been helpful to know or have a better articulation of as a 20-year-old. Yeah. Totally. I have a be. perfect example okay. of that. So being a type one, um, a word that's often thrown around with, associated with the type one is perfection. Yeah. Yeah. Um, trying to do something exactly right some um and I, what i learned what i knew about myself um 
um, back then, this was what, what I would do, but I wouldn't really think too much of it, is I would replay all of my conversations back in my head. Mm-hmm. And I would actually talk to myself and I would actually rehearse and re like, like re-say words in different ways. Yeah. Um, to try to do it better. To try mostly. to do it better. Yeah. Um, and this was especially true when there was conflict. This was especially true when there was like high stakes involved, when there was drama, when I was talking to my mom, when I was talking to my friends. Um, and I, in, in just to give you some context, I, I really struggled in college uh, because of like always trying to be kind of like perfect, always trying to, um, you know, say things perfectly, interact perfectly. And I would even say that when I was in college, I was very socially awkward because I had such a, what you would call like, like a hyperactive filter mm-hmm. in social settings. So yeah. even at parties, it would be really, really hard for me to engage with people. I would always be on the fringe. I would mm-hmm. always be sitting like near the door or the exit or the back like patio mm. yeah. with like one or two people because I really had a hard time interacting with people. And I, I know that uh, one of the things that I didn't want to do was to constantly like like reanalyze like what are people saying? Uh, what do they mean? That sounds so stressful. Yeah. And so <laughs> it turned out to be I, like I, I'm already a very um, introverted person. Mm. And so it really pushed me away from people. And so like one of the things that I, I didn't, I, I recognized that I would replay conversations and interactions with people, hmm. but what I was doing at the same time, which is kind of, I think a shadow part hmm. of my Enneagram one is a lot of self-loathing, hmm. self-hatred, and just a lot of like self-doubt. Like, because I, you're like, you're not doing it right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, like you're I'm not like connecting with that person. Yikes. I'm saying the wrong thing. Yeah. I'm misunderstanding where they're coming from or who they are or whatever. Hmm. And these would be like basic conversations too. Not just like not just like conflicts or whatever. Right. But just like, hi, how are you? Right, just introducing yourself. What do you mean by that? Yeah, right. <laughs> like, <laughs> Wait, what are you saying? What do you want me to say? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and so I think um, that is one dynamic that mm. I, um, you know, and, and here's here's the thing, like, why would I do that? Yeah. Okay, so why was that happening? Like, first of all, I was just struggling personally with mm-hmm. a lot of different issues. That's mm-hmm. one part. But the second thing is that I actually felt like it was helping me get through life. And what I mean by that is like um, me holding back, me saying the minimum amount, me like not messing up as much as possible. I felt like that was thriving. Like I couldn't be myself, my true self. Um, and I, I and apparently that worked for me all mm-hmm. the way up and through high school and into college. And mm. so I never recognized it as like a dysfunction. Mm. I never recognized it as like a huge detriment to mm. like, even like how my true self actually is. Yeah. And so I didn't really start unraveling that until I would say the last year of my college, like undergrad experience and into when I moved to Chicago and into my grad program. Mm-hmm. And so I think, I just want to highlight that. I think, um, you know, my 20 year old self, I felt fine. I felt that was normal. That's all I really knew in life. Does that make sense? Yes. Like the way that mm-hmm. I would like replay this all of that stuff. I was like, everyone, way, everyone, everyone does, does that. Right. <laughs> yeah, this everyone is, is so n- not assured about themselves. Right. Um, just very like hesitant mm. um, and just very doubtful about like any sort of like meaningful interactions. Yeah. And so, man, looking back, that was clearly unhealthy Mm. um like i i really didn't have the social skills or the the, you know the understanding of like how to actually 
uh, understand how I was feeling and filter that out in a, in a healthy way. Right. So like that's one no, example that's of my I, oneness just kind of like going nuts. <laughs> yeah, in going college. nuts. But getting you through, kind of getting kind you through. Kind of getting me through. Yeah, I mean, low risk. I think so. Just as a note, whenever important perspective on when we're using the enneagram language, when we're using enneagram like thought, yeah. is how much the like being a one quote unquote or being a nine quote unquote is not that you're that thing. Is that you're you're taking on those things to make it through yeah it's, they're like de- it's like defense mechanisms it's like survival techniques yeah yeah and these are the ones that like connected with us the most because of our situation yeah I and mean, i think that's a really important way because you're not really a one i'm not really a nine but yeah it's what we've taken on that's a good clarification and by the way i'm not speaking on behalf of all ones i don't think oh, all ones experience yeah, that in their life but that's that's definitely my definitely story. and we're trying i mean just as a note yeah i'm also not too that w- what we're trying to do with this episode is definitely make it more personal because mm-hmm. i think we, we are t- one thing we talk about the car is like gosh, like, why even bother with this yeah, absolutely. system? Absolutely. And at least what I found the most compelling mm-hmm. about it is because mm-hmm. close friends of mine found so much, like, joy in yeah. it, wisdom, mm-hmm. things to work on, and, like, really clear, uh, some clear paths forward yeah. instead of just being like, you suck. I mean, I had a, com- <laughs> like, on that note, I had, yeah. a, I had a come to Jesus moment, like, when I was in Chicago. Mm. Like, my, people pointed it out. Like a lot more, like when I, when I went to Chicago, I met older people mm. and they had like both the um, discernment as well as just the actual like ability to notice what I was doing. Yeah. They would actually like see me like, like rehearsing, like verbally, like yeah. mumbling yeah. conversations. Like, why are you doing that? That's super weird. <laughs> and I'm dead serious. Like yeah. if I <laughs> was still doing that in, in the way that I was doing it when I was in my twenties, like I wouldn't. I don't think I would be able to get like, like a job like I have today. I don't think that I would be able to like interact with people on any meaningful level. Um, looking back, it's super dysfunctional. Maybe it worked for me up until like right. college years, but like it definitely was something that I needed addressed yeah. in my life. I'm just and thinking about it. It's almost like you're living life twice. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it no, just time wise, right. that would be, that's hard. Right. That'd be crazy because you're, you're reliving all your interactions the second time through. Well, it highlights the importance of growth because mm-hmm. I think, man, that is such a taxing thing to be able to like yep. live your life and then replay it. You like literally cut your life in half. Like you're, yes. you're just like replaying your life all the time. And using all that energy again. And if you're just focused on the past, if you're just looking backwards, how, how are you going to move forward and grow? No, and so growth is a huge, like significant factor to us growing into our 20s and 30s. So this is jumping ahead a little bit because I haven't quite shared my story mm-hmm. with this, but yeah. um, when you're talking about growth, I know we want to talk about like motivations, like why bother doing this? Yeah. Yeah. And I lo- it, it kind of clicked a little bit for me when you're telling your story about like <laughs> living life twice. I would say, l- let's just put it, my plug for why I think the Enneagram system is super helpful yeah. and is valuable. And I, th- I do, I have no problem being kind of an evangelist for it because I think when you're growing in it and you're right. using it in, th- in that way, what you're doing is you're freeing up a lot of energy. Yeah. I think so. Cause yeah. you, you, you more self-aware you are, the more you try to get to your true self, the way you should be, or the yeah. way you were supposed to be, but you've kind of taken on these other behaviors, these other things to get through life. Right. Um, they're not as efficient like they maybe worked for you yeah. again, like you're talking 15 years ago or right. they worked for you as a kid right. or you thought they did, but really they're not the most efficient. I mean, if some, for some people, I think this is such a mystical thing topic, mm-hmm. but for me, I think you can, you can look at it very functionally yeah. and be like, you know what? Like, so for your example, mine would be, um, so just jump into it. Let's jump um, at, so the part of the Enneagram nine that I 
identify with so, so strongly is the falling asleep to yourself. Mm-hmm. Because, and really what that means is like, I kind of erase myself from situations. The way I handle things is I do replay. I, I, there's an element of that that I have a little bit of Enneagram one in me for yeah, sure. Yeah. That replay things like, how could that go better? It always has to do with conflict, but the erasing yourself, the falling asleep to yourself is like the way I get by mm-hmm. the way I handle things yeah. is it's better if I'm not there. Yeah. And sometimes it's physically being gone, but it's mostly mentally mm-hmm. spacing out or completely merging with someone else's idea. So in a situation like, so let's, we're talking about this podcast. I'd be like, whatever men wants, I'm going to talk through that. We're going to do the way men wants to do this. And I would just navigate everything that way. Mm -hmm. And, um, the way it looked socially was I was, I was the nicest guy. By the way, I'm not demanding like that. He's not demanding (laughs) like that. No, he is not. No. Yes. (laughs) Not all the time. Not all the time. Um, so the, but, but that's what, that's what my thing was. So with conflict, but it wasn't just conflict. I think it's easy for me to like harp on conflict and be like, well, that's my main area of growth. It was literally so many things. Me asking me what I wanted at any given moment, Mm -hmm. I probably couldn't tell you Mm -hmm. most of the time. Even if it was like, uh, (laughs) I've noticed this about a lot of other nines, but it's definitely true for me. Um, When you ask me where I want to go to dinner or something like that for restaurant, I'm so frustrating. (laughs) I'm super annoying because I'm like, I don't know, what do you want? I don't know, what do you want? It's just all the time, super annoying. (laughs) Yeah. But as a kid, like as a younger man, um, I like it's, like college was terrifying to me because I did never felt the freedom to really want something out of it. Mm-hmm. I picked the easiest road through and I got by on a lot of talent, mm-hmm. a lot of privilege mm-hmm. um, because my parents were paying for me to go to college. I could go and like kind of futz around for a while. But like the idea of picking something to do afterwards. Yeah. I was like, can I even do that? Like, I didn't even know that I couldn't do that. that, Like, I didn't even have the ability to do that. I was just like, I have nothing in the future. When I imagine the future, there's nothing happening, Mm -hmm. you know, because I didn't dream about things. I just wanted status quo. Um, I wanted the most peaceful, least scary thing forward. But I I couldn't even say that. I didn't even know I wanted that. Right. Right. So that was my challenge. And when I'm thinking about... um, like it got me through because I didn't offend a lot of people. Um, right. I kind of did what was expected of me. I yeah. mean, th- I'm very much simplifying the process, but as far as like, <laughs> I would have been able to tell myself, like Grant, like it's okay to want something even if it's different than what other people want. Mm-hmm. That well, would have been huge. Tell me about when did when did you start seeing the cracks? When did you start seeing like kind of the negative? Oh yeah, like consequences of taking on. That yeah, posture? well. So very practically and seeing it not even like later. So I, I can apply it directly to being in college. Yeah. It was um, the way I used to describe myself and conflict. I would give myself the excuse for not tackling anything remotely confrontational. Mm-hmm. I would say I'm physically allergic to conflict. Hmm. And it was, it's kind of true. Like the, I have a physical reaction yeah. to conflict. Yeah. Like it's not just like, oh, I'm annoyed. Like that's kind of hard, whatever. Like my body... I get hot, I get sweaty, um, I feel tightness. It's kind of like a mini panic attack, Mm -hmm. right? So I would be like, ha ha, I'm allergic to to, to conflict. But then I was like, but really, I am. (laughs) Like, I'm going to die. Like, I feel like I'm going to die if I have to confront you about the fact that you're mean to me or that you need to follow rules or something, which is, I mean, I was in residence life for two years. So that was... That was definitely a failing for me. But that would be one thing. Like, it, I just avoided it like crazy. I didn't talk about stuff. I tried to be, being direct was really hard for me. Like, I don't even think I was at the level where I was even being passive aggressive. Like, I wasn't even passive aggressive. I was so absent from confrontation that I wasn't even passive aggressive, mm-hmm. which is that, that's like how far from it I was. Mm-hmm. And that's just a ridiculous thing to say, that, I'm, that you're allergic to conflict. Yeah. 
but it was an excuse for myself. Yeah. So that's one thing. I mean, I'm always right now. I'm still pretty bad at it. It still causes a big physical reaction in me, but I'm, I know the value of it. I know it's so important. I can see tons of examples of where earlier confrontation or talking about something, mm-hmm. honestly, people don't even know when I'm confronting them a lot of the time. Cause I'm a pretty like agreeable person mm-hmm. and they don't even know sometimes. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, oh, I'm glad I had that conversation. And mm-hmm. it's like, Oh, you know, and I'll like apologize. Like, Oh, I hope that didn't like hurt you that I came in. They're like, what? <laughs> like, they don't even know. Mm-hmm. It's so internal. Mm-hmm. Right. I don't really come down on a hammer on people very much except for my poor wife. And she, my poor wife, Katie, has to suffer through me awkwardly using my anchor. But that's another thing. Well, you, you also mentioned that, like, I mean, it's even more exposed when you're in, like, significant relationships, <laughs> yeah. in marriage, oh, yeah. when, you're, when you're parenting. So, uh, you know, these things, if we don't address them early in our life, they definitely spill over into yeah. our late 20s, our 30s, and beyond. Yep. I, I'd imagine, you know. Yeah, almost yeah. definitely. I think... Yeah, so it's, you know, another area I'd love for us to like go into mm-hmm. is seeking more self-awareness, growth that we talk about. Man, it sounds awesome to grow, doesn't it? It yeah. sounds so cool to yeah. learn things, to get stronger, to hustle more, to grind more. Now, if you think about it, like when we're using the words like hustle, we're using the word grind, we're using the word growth, it mm-hmm. sounds, they're like all like you just put them on a t-shirt and it's really cool, right? Mm-hmm. But what you're describing is like a fiery process. I think. Intentional. Intentionally. And, well, and actually, just like it has to be. Yeah. If you're actually going to grow, if you're actually going to like get what you want or be in a place that, you know, any way that like, like at least, you know, from a Christian perspective, the Bible talks about like growth and sanctification. It involves fire. Mm-hmm. It involves grinding, like literally two things grinding together. Mm-hmm. Right. So why is it worth it to do that? It's fun to talk about this. You know, Liz, when she was teaching on this last week, mentioned so many times, like, we're not, if, any, if the Enneagram is a party trick to you, then you're not doing it right and don't even bother. Yeah. It kind of, there's pain that's involved. So let's talk about why is it worth it? What does it cost you? What does yeah. it cost me? And why, why even think about it if you're, you know, a lot of these people that are listening are not married. They don't have kids. Mm-hmm. So, and their things are working for them. Yeah. I mean, I think it's very common mm. for a lot of us to not be able to articulate where our insecurities and fears and kind of our dark side really looks like. Mm -hmm. And I think, um, you know, part of why I think diving into something like the Enneagram as a tool for self-awareness is so important. First of all, to grow in self-awareness, that's still a mystery. Like, how (laughs) do you actually do that? Like, other than just, like, existing over a period of time, that intentional part, I'm still trying to, like, figure that out Mm. like it's not formulaic it's incredibly mysterious Mm. like why we choose to grow or why we choose to to like kind of wallow in our insecurities or fears because I definitely know people who are older than me who deeply struggle with even I would say like basic things right they're dysfunctional in their motivations and like what like what affects their behavior and what choices that they make in life but I think all of those things are connected to uh, this bigger umbrella of like how do we actually grow in self-awareness to to not only understand so one of the worth it things for me is that we get to identify like the pitfalls and gaps um that either we accumulate through experience in life mm-hmm. or it's just something wired to our dna i'm not sure some you know some things are more mm-hmm. genetic than others 
But what are our dis dispositions and our propensities to know what those are, to know what those like dark sides of our, of our you know, soul are, I think is incredibly valuable mm -hmm. because then we're more aware of it. It's not, it's not a blind spot anymore. So I would say that mm -hmm. that's one piece of it. Mm -hmm. What about you, Grant? 100%. Yeah. The, the knowing our blind spots because usually in points of stress mm -hmm. is when we notice something that we're like, wait a minute, this has been working for me. Yeah. It's not working. Mm -hmm. Why is it not working? This right. this is my normal way of being. The things I say, now, what, the way I think about it. What do you mean by that? Oh, like, what's easily, a life example oh of something like, that's not working? Oh, of course. Like so, avoidance of conflict. <laughs> yeah, yeah, is great because you're fun to be around. Because you know, when you're hanging out with Grant Burns, yeah, he's not going to make you feel uncomfortable. Yeah, he's not going to point out hard things for you. Yeah, like he's going to talk about what you are interested in. Right, right. So that's great. I'm pretty easy to be around. I get along with a lot of people, yeah. but what I have to do to get along with those people is I kind of have to forget myself sometimes, right. meaning I am in conversations with students a lot in which I really disagree with them. Mm -hmm. And is it always my place to just like step out and be like, no, I disagree. Like every time a lot of it, I mean, I feel myself as an educator. So I try to like ask some questions, right. challenge a little bit, but don't just be like, that's dumb. Right. Yeah. So that's when it's helpful. Yeah. What happens, though, is I can get into the trap. So let's just be specifically my role right now with students. If I'm so worried about what they feel about me, like if I'm like, okay, they think I'm cool. So as long as I just maintain that, that's fine. But if I say this, they might be like, what do you mean? Like, do you have a place to say that to me? Or you're wrong. Or like, don't push me on that, right? They might react that way. But in a lot of cases, that's what I should be doing because I'm an educator. I'm not just their friend. Right. I'm their supervisor. And so being like, hey, you know what? Not, not, not like rule breaking, but just literally like a wait, let's say a, a point of self-awareness. I'm like, you know what? I don't, you saying that, this is actually what, what you're doing, mm -hmm. right? You're at, you think this is good. Well, it's actually hurting me or mm -hmm. it's hurting someone else yeah. or it's hurting yourself. And that's super hard to hear. And so if I avoid pain for someone else, it's a short-term thing that I'm, you know, if, if they actually hear it and they do something about it and they experience pain, mm -hmm. pain isn't bad. Mm -hmm. It's if you're avoiding things and that's like pain or you're numbing out, right? I have to be able to have the longer-term view of like, well, again, like we just talked about, it, you go through fire. Mm -hmm. You go through grinding mm -hmm. to grow. Mm -hmm. And so I have to be like, well, it might hurt. Mm -hmm. And that's not my, it's, I don't want to be cruel to someone, but withholding some truth from them is yeah. also short-sighted yeah. and it's selfish because I'm avoiding what hurts. Yeah. You know, cause I feel I have such high empathy that I have so much trouble not feeling exactly what somebody else is feeling. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a, it's a, it's a missed opportunity. If it is most you definitely. or someone else um, can't actually take in something that's true and is good for you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Cause some truth feels bitter, yeah. feels painful. And I think, you know, what, you know, when I think about like any sort of, significant interaction with like a mentor or someone mm -hmm. older than you if you're if you're there just like i'm not gonna listen to anything you say <laughs> because like i'm not open to criticism i'm not open to feedback i'm not open to growth i think that's directly tied to like what doesn't work mm -hmm. in life i think we all should as much as possible take on a posture of learning and growth and i think what often happens when we don't have good self-awareness is we actually don't have a good radar of when to open up our mind, our hearts to good and true feedback. Yeah. Yeah. And if we're only um, using our feelings, mm. like if something feels good, I'll listen to it. If something feels bad, right. I won't listen to right. it. 
I don't think that works in life in the long run. Mm-mm. You'll avoid so many things. I mean, and, and I've done that. Right. Yeah. So, I, you know, I, a way that the Enneagram has been described to me that is so helpful in con- being able to see how to use it mm-hmm. is describing it like a map. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I, I think we showed a video last week about that. So the Enneagram itself is a map and learning about it is how to read, orient the map, read the map, tell like what do the different symbols mean on it? where, like, why would I bother going to different parts of the map? And the map being, like, yourself, right? right, right. And that, the reason why I find that really helpful in when we talk about this motivation piece is I love maps in general. I like to know where to go. I like discovering things. Yeah. And so to, framing it that way is very helpful for me personally because yeah. I'm like, cool, okay, I can do that. If I can think about myself that way, mm-hmm. then it becomes more of a, an exciting discovery thing. Even if it's not what I want to find, I'm like, well, this is true adventure because true adventure is much more unknown and it could be scary. It could be hard. And I view it as, it's just easier for me to get my head wrapped around it, thinking about it that way, that um, knowing that wherever I'm at into self-discovery is just one part mm-hmm. of me, of mm-hmm. my map, mm-hmm. of the landscape of who I am. And that's kind of helpful because even when I feel like I'm in a bind or I'm in like a slump or something, I'm like, you know, this is not, this is not the be all and end all. Mm-hmm. There is movement. There is another place to go. There's something else to learn and grow in and climb up the mountain or cross the river or whatever you, you know, however you want to use the analogy. Mm-hmm. I think that that's, that's a great thing. And so that is just to encourage people who are listening, like try to view it that way. Cause it can be super scary when you're like, Oh my gosh, when you look at the map, you're like, I have 40 more miles to hike. <laughs> right. Oh my goodness. Right. But you can break that into smaller chunks Yeah. and you can see a goal. Yeah. I, I think it, it's a rare thing to hear from, um, younger adults in their mm-hmm. 20s talk about themselves as an unexplored region or a map, like an uncharted mm-hmm. territory that you're actually, you know, as you live through life, exploring. And I think the Enneagram really helps frame life in that way. I do too, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I, I always think about like a runner, like like a, like a freshman runner who hits a specific time and, yeah. and hopefully throughout their career, they decrease that time um, less and less, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But it feels the same. Like when, when they're running a 4.6 versus running 4.2 as hard as they can, it feels the same, but mm-hmm. their time is actually decreasing. Yeah. yeah. You brought up the word uh, efficiency. I think part of growing up mm. is learning more about the little facets and unique aspects of our life. And it's, it's, it still feels like us, right? We're, just, we're still just like, yeah, this is me. Mm. But now we have so much more of that territory explored and understood. And I think there's so much power in that, right? Mm -hmm. Just as much as like an athlete decreasing their time and getting to like a world-class level in speed. Mm -hmm. I think there's an aspect to that in our growth, right? And, Mm. and it's, it's not just passive and it's not just inevitable. I think there has to be intentionality. There has to be a commitment to growing in Mm self-awareness, growing and understanding like the little nuances of who you are. Yep. Yeah. Can I offer this uh, piece of advice that it, it's it, it when that that's and it's advice for myself. It's something that mm-hmm. um, so I talked about how I, I merge a lot, right? I become other people's feelings because I don't understand how to take on my own desires or who I am, those sorts of things. What has been very helpful in feeling free to explore myself and to express myself is a lot of encouragement that I've gotten from different interesting like meditative practices but also just even reading the Enneagram like teachers and um, other like people who are (laughs) much more experienced in prayer than I am which is 
that how important it's like kind of observational prayer is that's not value-based. So what I mean by that is to look at yourself, to do self-awareness, what's really hard is when you look deep into yourself, you find things you don't like Mm -hmm. and you go, that is crap. Or, wow, I really am sucky. Mm -hmm. Or, oh my gosh, I never knew that was there. I feel even worse. Yeah. So what you're doing, instead of being like, oh, I'm conflict avoidant and just leaving it there, you go, I'm conflict avoidant. Well, I suck. Right. I'm not going to be a good X. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to be able to do this well. What his really, with Enneagram stuff, one of the first steps in the growth process that I think has been, when I've been able to do this right, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so much better, is to be able to observe things and just let them be what they are. Mm-hmm. By just looking at them as objectively as possible, it is, you're able to look at more mm-hmm. because you're not constantly bogging yourself down with weights of mm-hmm. like, I suck more and more, and you lose more and more energy beating yourself up mm-hmm. or trying to deny it or being mad about it. Like trying to just be like, this is what it is. There's some meditative practices where they, you like literally lay out all your thoughts, like metaphorically, like on your hands and you just kind of like lift them up and mm-hmm. be like, this is just what I am right now. And I thought that was kind of dumb at first. I was like, well, okay, I don't understand the purpose of that. Mm-hmm. I think it's so you can look deeper without, again, all of those negative associations. Like there's a lot of prayer that like, I think there's an impulse. So as a Christian, um, I'm very aware of sin, right? And because of that, I usually add values to like, does God think this is good or bad instead of this is just is. And that I don't need to assign value to it because God already knows what that is. Why am I being like, God, I'm so terrible at this. Like he knows that already. Mm -hmm. Instead of being like, God, I want to talk to you about this. Here's what I am right now. Can you help me in these things? Mm -hmm. And instead of me like taking on the judgment role you know, using, you know, the Christian theology, the judgment role that God has and like beating my own self up with it. It's like a weird control issue. So anyway, the more you can just like let something be and observe it will help in Mm self-awareness because it won't hurt as bad. And you'll be able to dig deeper, go farther in the uh, the exploration, I think. Yeah. I mean, that and what you just said highlights another aspect of why maybe even using a tool such as the Enneagram is so worth it because Mm. what a part of what the Enneagram journey looks like is finding an out to some of those really like deep seated issues that you have in your life. Um, and I think that's so powerful, right? Mm-hmm. It's not just a tool that helps you navigate, um, that journey of self awareness and being able to articulate, like even, even, uh, like being able to see clearly like different stories and in, in different parts of your life that have shaped kind of how you think and how you rationalize and how you feel about different things but it also gives you that empowerment mm-hmm. to start working at those things mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. not letting um, those bad things in your heart in your soul like become like shame mm-hmm. and just kind of root it there but it. but yeah. almost like illuminating it bringing it into the light mm. and growing from it and the hope I think there's a hope yes, in, in the Enneagram is. which yeah. is those things that you actually do even hate about yourself, and I use that word very intentionally, I think there are some things that if we really are honest, we're like, I hate that about myself. The hope is that that doesn't have to be in your life, your whole life. Mm -hmm. That doesn't have to be there forever. Mm -hmm. And I think we can, as, uh, as much as possible, grow from those things to the point where at least we're also aware and able to even like control it, I would Mm -hmm. say. Like, mm-hmm. not let it control us, but have authority and power over it. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't, I, I don't know where you would, um, like, kind of stand on this, but 
I'm not sure if there are things that we can completely eradicate from ourselves. I don't know if I believe that. But what I'm saying is I do think that there are things, those, those, those dark aspects of like us, they don't have to control us yeah. forever. Yeah, I, I completely agree. That's like a whole other conversation I feel yeah. like we could have. Yeah. Um, that I completely agree that it's more about managing. It's more about no, having somebody have less power over you. Yeah. And I think a big part of that definitely with Enneagram, it's not to erase any parts of you. Mm-hmm. Uh, the self-discovery journey is giving power to the right things, right. I think. Yeah. I think we're going to have to leave it there just based on time. Um, we're going to yeah add some links um, to the description of this particular podcast if you want to dive deeper. I know a lot of people listening have many other people who are probably very enthusiastic about the Enneagram and mm-hmm. feel no inhibition on sharing what they think about it and um, asking questions and things like that. Um, I would we just hopefully this is an invitation, yeah. something to dive into. And uh, I know that we're going to be talking with our, both you and I are be talking with our RAs more about this and hopefully providing a really cool pathway to some more self-awareness and self-discovery. And ultimately, we don't have time for this, but like, I really would love for people to be able to frame this, not just for their own self-awareness, but how does self-awareness, where we talk about like a lot of things like make you a better leader. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, that's where I think we want to go with Absolutely. this. Absolutely. So thanks for talking, man, yeah, this, thanks, Grant. this morning and hope everyone else as you're listening, this has been a blessing to you. Yeah. We really appreciate it. Thanks. Yeah.